Hey everybody, welcome to episode 223 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and you've just got me today as we talk about a really important topic for optimizing your training, which is the art of the recovery run. I will cover that in more detail than perhaps you would like today, but it is actually really an important topic because it's the glue that keeps everything together, that keeps you healthy so that you can ultimately run your fastest, not only in workouts, but also on race day. So I'm going to break down the why, the where, and the how of the recovery run and how to get the most out of those recovery efforts. Before we get there, just a couple of quick things. First of all, wanted to apologize for the delay in this episode as it's coming a week later than had been originally planned due to the snowpocalypse here in Texas. I lost internet for about five days and we were sort of recovering and getting back to normal after that, which caused me to miss my episode last week. And here I am posting today. Better late than never, but I want to thank everybody for all the support that you've given those of us in Texas who faced a winter storm unlike one we had seen in about 70 years, which knocked out power and water for a lot of people. And my heart goes out to all of those that were affected in serious ways, which were many of us across Texas. So hope everybody's hanging in there that is recovering and bouncing back. The biggest upside from it, from my perspective, was seeing the community rally around each other. I know our row community was doing that with people shuttling water out to people, people bringing food to others, and really helping others get through a definitely difficult time. So powerful to always see the community at work. We are now on the other side of it, and weather is back to our normal 70 degrees for our normal wintertime days, which is pretty surreal and bizarre as I reflect back on what we faced a couple of weeks ago. So again, thank you for the support there. Thank you also for your patience with me in getting this episode out. Secondly, I have to mention the Trial of Miles Texas Qualifier meet that went off here this past weekend in Austin at a private school. It was not open to spectators, but many found their way out there to St. Michael's track where the meet went on and you had what is probably the greatest collection of pro distance runners and distance events ever in the state of Texas, at least in my lifetime that I can remember. Certainly we've had big meets, particularly around NCAAs, as we often host NCAA championships here in Austin at UT. But to have the collection of pro athletes like we did from El Perrier to Emma Coburn, Corey McGee, to Coco Klosterhofen, to Kira D'Amato, and just a host of others, it was absolutely cool to see. Unfortunately, I was not able to get out there myself as I had other conflicts, but I was watched I watched a bunch of the meet on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel where they live streamed it. And there were certainly results to talk about. I think maybe the highlight of the meet from a performance standpoint was Coco Klosterhofen's German record that happened at the in the ten thousand on Saturday night in what were what ended up being pretty brutal conditions as it was about 70 degrees and 70% humidity so not ideal conditions for a 10k but she ended up setting the German record by a few seconds and lapped the entire field including Kira D'Amato who was in second and ended up with the PR herself as well as a 10k Olympic trials qualifier 
And so, yes, there were performances like that, but I think the most important thing to mention about the meet this weekend was the coverage and the enthusiasm with which the team led by Sidious Mag, including Chris Chavez and Kyle Merber, brought to the race. The live coverage on YouTube was absolutely pro. The announcing was pro. The informative content and material that was provided by that team was amazing, including the follow-up interviews post-race. And you just got to give them full credit for bringing innovation really to attract meat in the form of coverage and i think for for too long the meets have been dominated by older announcers oftentimes that come from one particular shoe company that aren't frankly interesting and certainly not interesting to that younger generation of track fan and chris chavez and team brought new energy new life and just pure raw enthusiasm as fans to the production, which made it so much fun to watch and which I think will set a tone and set a precedent for future track coverage. And hopefully there will be more like that coming down the road as they prove that a formula can work and you can build fans just simply by presenting the product in the right way. So that was a cool thing for me to see, especially as someone myself who is doing my part to build the sport. So it's cool to see them do that and certainly cool to see them do it here in Austin. I just wish we could have had live fans because, man, that would have been amazing to have the energy of that meet with all of the the huge big-name pros there and to have fans. So my hope is that we'll have a meet like that in, in quote, more normal times and be able to actually bring the energy of the community and the running community here to that type of an event to me that was the only missing piece and if we can add that piece then it's only going to amplify the work that's already being done there to upgrade coverage for track meets out there so again shout out to Sidious Mack, Chris Chavez, Cal Merber, Aaron Abrahamson and team for just absolutely knocking it out of the park with that coverage so you can still go back and watch the meet on the Sidious Mag YouTube channel so would encourage you to go there, check it out, because those races were fun to watch. And again, more than that, the coverage was just top notch. So with that as my intro, let's jump into my topic today, the art of the recovery run. I would say as a coach, I most often see athletes making mistakes on this very element in training. And those mistakes span the gambit, but mostly... They center around this idea of taking the recovery run too fast and therefore not achieving the purpose of the day. So we're going to start by talking about the why of the recovery run. Then we'll talk about the where, where does it fit into the context of your schedule? And then we'll talk about the how, how do you execute a recovery run in order to get the most out of it so that you can then therefore turn around and get the most out of those harder days. So here we go. Let's talk about the why. First of all, and you've heard me talk about this before, the reason the recovery run is important is because the primary purpose is to create blood flow, which promotes healing. And so as I often say to my athletes, movement equals blood flow equals healing. The veins in your legs in particular, they don't have muscles associated with them. So unlike the outgoing arteries and blood vessels that have muscles typically built in within the wall of 
those vessels that help push the blood out to your system and to the smaller capillary beds within the system, your body relies on movement, pressure, compression, and essentially physics to get that blood back up to the heart so that it can then circulate. The same is true within the capillary bed. It requires, those capillary beds require movement and physics within the overall system in order to get the blood into and out of those systems so they can bring nutrients and new nutrients in as well as bring waste back out so they can get that back to the kidneys and out of the system. So movement is an important part of making sure that waste is removed from your system and that you can get fresh nutrients and blood flow to those areas so that when you damage something or when you beat it up from a hard workout that it can then heal and get ready for the work to come. The same is true, although I often don't mention it, of the lymphatic of the excuse me of the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is ultimately another part of the systems in your body that help your body heal and clean itself out and remove it, move, remove waste. So it's also doing work to help you heal from hard workouts, and it requires just like the circulatory system. It requires movement to help facilitate that process. So movement is helping not only the circulatory system, but also the lymphatic system to remove waste so that you can heal from the hard work that you've done. And the recovery run is a critical part of that. It's important, of course, to note that in order for it to work, in order for a recovery run to actually truly serve its purpose, then it needs to look a certain way and we'll talk about that in the how and that you can easily turn an easy run from a recovery run into something very different if you don't execute it properly. So the first reason for doing a recovery run is because it promotes move it its movement promotes blood flow and lymphatic movement that ultimately promotes healing. As one of my fellow coaches here at Rogue has said on this podcast, motion is lotion. Motion is lotion for the muscles, and that's exactly what a recovery run is. It is lotion for the muscles. All right, so that's number reason number one. The second reason is, is this recognition, and these really aren't prioritized. This might actually be more important than the first but it's this recognition that your growth only happens within the context of recovery. Your improvement in fitness only happens in the context of recovery. And so the analogy here is the same as I've talked about before as it relates to weightlifting. If you're going to go into a gym and you're going to try to improve the strength of, let's say, a large muscle group like the biceps in your arms. If you're going to try to improve bicep strength, then what you will do is you will do lifting as it relates to that muscle group that tears up the bicep by applying force to it by doing strength-related work that will actually tear up the bicep, create small tears in that muscle so that when that muscle repairs, in the space between workouts, it comes back stronger. So you're tearing it down during the workout and during the recovery between workouts, that's actually when the muscle's getting stronger. 
And the same is true for our aerobic system and our neuromuscular system. We will tear it down during workouts so that it can repair itself and recovery in the space between. And the active rest associated with recovery runs is an absolutely critical part of that repair process because of the point that I just mentioned prior, which is this idea that motion is lotion, movement equals blood flow equals healing. So in those times when you're really sore after a long run or a hard workout, that is a sign, that is a big massive billboard sign that says, okay, I need my recovery run today more than ever. Now, depending on how sore you are, you might manage how that recovery run looks in certain ways, which again, I'll get to in the how section of this discussion. But that soreness is a big red flag, a big highway billboard banner that says you need your recovery run today. I'll give you an example. On Sunday, I ran a 30K trail race as a part of the Rogue Trail Series. We were able to actually do that in person with managed field size as well as with uh, with a large start window and the appropriate protocols around aid stations and things like that. And it was a great event, pulled off safely, really fun to be a part of it. And it was great to see our community again in person in that format. I did that race on Sunday. I did the 30K, 18.6 miles on trails and pushed it pretty hard. And the temperatures were tough, just like they were for the the Texas qualifier this weekend, it ended up being 70 degrees, but about 90% humidity the following morning for the race. And so going pretty hard and, and doing my first real live race in 54 weeks and also coming back from injury, as I've talked about, I pushed it pretty hard and was definitely pretty beat up from it. Woke up from that effort on Monday morning having real difficult walking and getting out of bed because my muscles were just so sore, so beat up from that hard effort and to the point where I had trouble limping to the bathroom straight out of bed in the morning and my wife was asking me what was wrong. Well, in this case, no injury, nothing particularly wrong, just really sore from a hard effort in that race. And that was a flag, a big red flag that, I needed my recovery run on Monday more than ever. So I got out for six super easy miles and at every step I felt a little bit better just by getting that movement happening. Again, now that means you have to manage in those situations, you have to manage that recovery run perfectly well so that you don't cause more problems or create more risk. But we'll talk about that as this conversation progresses. So Soreness is that sign that you need that recovery run more than ever. Okay, another reason, and so 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 far I've focused on the re- the pure recovery aspect of to what it's doing to help your body prepare for that next hard effort. Well, another reason to take these recovery runs the right way is so that you can invest more and get more out of the hard workouts and the long runs. I've heard this countless times from athletes that had maybe in the past taken their recovery runs too hard 
when they make that adjustment, when they slow down, when they treat their recovery runs properly, suddenly they come back to me and they'll say, man, I'm getting so much more out of my quality workouts, out of my long runs. I feel so much more fresh on those days and I'm able to run faster in workouts or nail my workouts better because I've treated, finally treated my recovery runs the right way. And so it not only helps you prepare better and keep your body healthy after those hard workouts and long runs, but also ultimately then creates this beautiful cycle of then you being able to put more into those quality workouts and long runs so that you get more out of those so that then you have the balance, the stress and rest balance that ultimately lifts you to a higher place from a fitness perspective. So not only is recovery important to repair your muscles, but ultimately so that you can get even more out of those hard efforts in training. So that's another reason. Then I'll also mention an important element here, which is related to the comment I made about the recovery runs kind of being the the glue in training. And I will often have runners come to me and they'll say something like, well, I can only run three days a week or I'll get hurt. And I will always, always challenge that not only because of my belief that miles matter, but also my belief that if you balance the days appropriately, then more running days is ultimately better for you to help you stay healthier and more resilient in the long term. Again, if you're doing things the right way. So if somebody in that case can't run more than three days a week, or they're telling me they can't run more than three days a week, it's often because they're running too hard on more days a week, not because the more days a week is bad by itself, but rather because they're not treating those recovery runs the right way in order to balance it all together so that they can stay healthy and consistent across all of it. If instead they balance it appropriately, slow down as they need to on the recovery days, treat those recovery days with the purpose that they are, then that ultimately allows them to do more days which then ultimately allows them to be more resilient and be able to manage more load and higher mileage. And so it's, again, not that more days is bad for you. It's the question of how are you fitting those more days together? Because if you do it the right way, then those recovery days will truly become the glue that holds it all together so that neuromuscularly you can stay healthy and also so that, again, you can put more into those hard days. The other nice benefit of recovery days, if you're treating them the right way and slowing down so that motion truly is lotion for the muscles, is that they still have an aerobic capacity building element, purpose. You're still moving, you're still breathing, you're still stimulating the aerobic system. And again, because there's a huge broad range under which you build aerobic capacity, which is your global ability to process oxygen into your working muscles. Because that's such a broad range, if you're doing it in a way that you can have a conversation on these recovery runs while still obviously running and moving forward in space, then that is still an ancillary benefit of these recovery days. It is still 
miles on the feet that builds aerobic capacity so that you can ultimately improve your oxygen carrying load, which makes you faster because oxygen becomes that limiting reagent in the act of respiration. So while yes, the primary purpose of recovery days is to repair the body and make sure that you're ready for those next hard days, you're also getting that ancillary benefit aerobic, of aerobic development because aerobic development happens in a massive range. So even if you're going super easy on those recovery days, you're still stimulating the aerobic system. You're still improving your global ability to process oxygen so that you can ultimately go faster again when you're trying to go faster. Now, the last thing I'll mention as an ancillary benefit of recovery days is the fact that, again, miles matter. More time on your feet equals more efficiency as it relates to your form. One way to improve form is simply to run more. And so these recovery days, if done the right way, also help you improve form and efficiency over time. And I'll talk a little bit about in the how section about how you optimize that piece of it because I do think there's some important things to think about as it relates to form on recovery days so that you don't get too sloppy when you're tired. So we'll talk about that in a second. But that's the summary of the why. Obviously, most importantly, motion is lotion, movement equals blood flow equals healing. Recovery days are all about making sure that you can bounce back and grow and build fitness after those hard days. But again, there are other ancillary benefits as well, including giving you the ability to go faster on your hard days, helping you build aerobic development and capacity, and of course, as I just mentioned, form and efficiency. So that's the case for it. But you have to make sure that you place these recovery days in the right space in your week, but also, of course, that you execute them the right way. So let's talk about that component now. So where do these recovery days fit? They're absolutely critical, and I would argue that you need one recovery run for every hard or long day in your schedule. And so let's quickly define hard days. Long runs, I think that's fairly straightforward. This is the long run of the week. It's a staple of most programs. That one's fairly obvious. Typically, it happens on Saturday or Sunday for most of us, although I know some who have to structure that differently and fit it in during the week. But this is typically your longest run of the week by a factor of sometimes two to four acts of maybe a shorter recovery run, depending on how you structure your schedule. But after every long run, you deserve a recovery run or you should fit in a recovery run. In addition, after every quality session or hard quality session in the rogue world, we typically have one of those during the week that's a primary quality workout and you would do a recovery run after that. For some schedules, you might actually have two quality workouts in addition to the long run, in which case I'd argue you need a recovery run after each of those quality sessions. So then where does it fit? Typically, it happens the next day, right after that hard work. For us at Rogue, we do our long runs on Saturday. That means a recovery run on Sunday. For us, additionally, we will typically have one quality during the week. For most of the groups, it's on Tuesday or Wednesday, in which case you would be doing your recovery run on Wednesday or Thursday, depending on which one of those two categories you fall into. 
And so you're doing the recovery run immediately after the hard day or the quality day. At a minimum, however, you're going to make sure that you have at least one recovery day between hard and long efforts. So to me, one of the number one factors I see involved in any injury situation is often when someone goes from a hard workout to a long run or from a long run to a hard workout without the recovery day in between for whatever reason. Sometimes that's because schedule and routine changes and requires a shift. That means maybe they have to move one of those days around and therefore they're squeezing things together so that they can make it all fit. But from my perspective, it doesn't fit unless you have a recovery run in between because otherwise what happens when you don't have that active rest, that motion is lotion opportunity after a hard day or after a long day before you get to another harder long day, that's when injury happens because the body's simply not ready yet. And so make sure that you have at least one recovery day between hard and long efforts. Again, for most people, that means you're going to have either two or three recovery days during the week, depending on how many hard and long sessions you have. And again, typically those will happen the very next day after that harder long session. I have seen it work where you might have a day off after a harder long day and then get to your recovery day the following day. That can also work. Again, assuming that your sequence is right, that you have hard day and then a recovery day in between your next long day. So where do the recovery runs fit? Right after those harder long days and in between another hard and long day. If you're following those two rules, then you've got it structured appropriately and just make sure that when things do, for whatever reason, have to shift around You make sure that you maintain that continuity of where those recovery days fit. Because if you can't, then you should sacrifice something in order to make it all fit together. If that means that you have to run into a situation where you do a quality day and a long run day back to back, don't do it. Full stop. Don't do it. Instead, pick one. Pick one that matters. Make sure that you're able to get in the recovery sequence or rearrange something else so that you can get that proper sequence of hard day, recovery, hard day. It's absolutely critical because, again, where I see injuries happen is exactly in those situations where people try to cram together hard and long days without that active rest in between, in which case injury happens so frequently in the context that I see it. So there you go. That's where it fits. Pretty simple. Just make sure that when you're moving things around, you don't break those rules because if you don't, then you'll be able to keep it all fitting together the way it should. Okay. Lastly, let's talk about the how of the recovery run because in order for the whys to matter and the where's to fit it all together, the sequence to work, The recovery run actually has to look like a recovery run. And this is where most people screw it up. And it ends up looking like something very different. Because oftentimes we let our ego get in the way. And we think that somehow faster is better. Or faster is going to look better perhaps to others on Strava. And that's just simply not the case. Because if your 
running too fast on a recovery day, it becomes something other than a recovery day, in which case you can throw the whys out the window and throw the sequence out the window as well. So you got to make sure that if you're going to do this the right way, that you have to balance the how and execute the recovery run in a way and with the same level of seriousness and purpose that you would a quality day. It is that important. So what are the components of how? The first and most important, of course, is that you go slow enough on these recovery days. Typically for me, if I'm going to give someone a range, that means that you're going at least two minutes per mile slower than marathon pace and at least two and a half minutes per mile slower than half marathon pace as a rough rule of thumb. One of my fellow coaches here at Rogue, Ruth England, who helps coach the She Squad, she says that you should be going glacially slow on the recovery day. Another reference that I like to use people is that you should let your body dictate the pace. You should let it go as slow as it needs to in order to get the right recovery effort based on how you feel. So what does that mean for me? I am a 245 marathoner, which is just under 620 per mile. And so my recovery days are going to be at least eight minutes and 20 seconds per mile or slower. Oftentimes they start slower than that. In the case of Monday after the trail race that I did on Sunday, I averaged 10 minute miles for my six mile recovery run. I started my first mile of that run at 11 minute miles. And again, I'm not making a commentary about pace or what's slow or fast or anything like that. I'm just giving you reference points as it relates to me as a 245 marathoner so you can get some examples and get some context. But for me, I did a 10 minute mile on my Monday recovery run because that's what my body asked for, what it required so that I wouldn't stress it too much given the soreness that I was feeling on that day. So you have to make sure that you're going slow enough. Oftentimes it will, this will manifest in a way that will be a little bit progressive. You'll find that as your body warms up that you'll naturally get a little bit faster. So for example, on my Monday recovery run post-trail race, I did 11 minutes in my first mile and I worked down to averaging about nine minutes over the final couple of miles because my body warmed up, started to loosen up, that soreness started to dissipate and it started to feel better as I went. And so it just naturally happened. I wasn't forcing it, wasn't pressing it at all. It just naturally happened as the body loosened up. Still finished slower than that two minute window that I just gave you versus my marathon pace. But it was what my body dictated on the day. And by the way, I wasn't looking at my watch the entire time. I was simply listening to my body, moving as it allowed, and moving it as it warmed up and helped me progress on that given day. Now, many people will say to me, and I hear this quite often, I can't go that slow. It is impossible for me to go that slow. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> it's completely possible. You're just not committed to it. And as someone who, again, started my recovery run on Monday at a pace that was five minutes per mile slower than my marathon pace, as someone who can consistently run that slow as 
again, relative to me, I like to say there's no slow, only degrees of fast. But when we talk about slow, it's only in a reference to ourselves. Relative to my normal paces, it was slow for me on that day. And if I can do that, if I can go five minutes per mile slower than my marathon pace, then you can as well. It only takes a commitment to it. And it does take practice. It isn't something that's necessarily easily or that doesn't necessarily come easily or naturally. It takes practice. And one thing I often remind people is that if you're inefficient or uncomfortable at slower paces, then that is a sign of hidden inefficiencies that exist that you're not noticing that come at faster paces as well. So the more efficient you can be running easy, and probably that's a better term than slow, the more efficient you can be running easy or slow for you, then the more efficient you will be running faster. It's all a part of that ancillary benefit I mentioned at the front, which is that more running creates more efficiency, which improves form over time. And this is a part of it. Being committed to running a comfortable recovery pace that feels efficient and smooth is as important for improving efficiency at faster paces as almost anything else. And so stay committed to it. How do you do that? Sometimes this means finding friends that might be running at a pace that is consistent with what you should be running with your easy pace and or your recovery pace so that you have a reference point. So you have someone next to you that can help keep you in check so that you aren't tempted to press. Now, of course, be a good running partner and friend and don't press to make them feel like they're holding you back. But that can be a helpful way to find your own reference point to get comfortable running easier paces for you so that you can get comfortable with the recovery effort that you should be holding. Because again, if you're not going slow enough, then you start to push into a realm that works a different purpose. If you're going a little bit faster, then that gets maybe into a more of a typical easy run where the focus isn't primarily on blood flow and healing. The focus becomes more on purely aerobic capacity building. And certainly if you go faster than that, then you get into a range that starts to work different parts of the aerobic system that relate more to speed. And so these recovery runs, your primary purpose, as a reminder, is movement to create blood flow to promote healing. It is not aerobic development, even though you will get that ancillary benefit as well. And so in order to maintain that primary focus on the primary purpose, then you need to go slow enough to make sure that this recovery run is what you need. And so at least two minutes per mile slower than marathon pace or glacially slow, as Ruth would say, or as I like to say to myself, let my body dictate the pace. I was super sore on Monday morning. I went out there and I let my body dictate the pace and it did. Started at 11 minute miles, worked down to nine minute miles. It felt good. Now, how do you do this in a way? And by the way, for some for some situations, that might mean starting your run by simply walking for some of you. And that's okay. A, a good recovery walk, as I learned when I did my crazy 100 plus mile week about a month ago, a good recovery walk can be as beneficial as a recovery run. And that's something I was reminded when I was doing all of those miles. But sometimes for some of you, you may need to start the recovery run by walking, 
to get the body moving, start getting that blood flow so that you can then progress into a jog, which might progress into a run. So start by walking if you need to. But the big barometer here is that a recovery run should be all about effort, should be all about feeling like you're actually getting a recovery effort, which means that you should feel better at the end of the run than when you start it. You should feel better at the end of the run than when you start it. That soreness that I felt on Monday waking up was more subdued, was dissipated, felt better at the end of the run than when I started. That would not have been the case had I pressed too hard, had I gone too fast. I would have been miserable the whole time. I would have finished feeling worse perhaps, but instead because I treated it with the right easy effort and started slow and progressed very gradually, my body felt better, my legs felt better, the soreness was dissipated, and while the legs still need more recovery, and I'm going to actually do a second recovery run today because it was such a hard effort, while they still need more recovery, they they had that process kick-started because I went slow enough to promote blood flow with that focus and the purpose of the day was achieved. So a sign that you're treating these recovery runs the right way is that you feel better when you finish than when you started. And if that's not true, then you're going too fast and you need to slow it down. And so keep that in mind. The other thing I have to mention here, and I already alluded to it a little bit, is that the watch doesn't matter. I propose that occasionally you go out on a recovery run without a watch because there's always a temptation when we have a Garmin or Polar or other device on our wrist to peek at it and to let our ego and mind take over what our body should really be feeling out. And so doing the the occasional sans watch recovery run, I think is a powerful way to really tune in and listen to your body without the pressure of the clock. And so occasionally I would encourage you to do that. So point number one here, which I've emphasized enough is that you have to take these recovery runs easy and quote slow for you. If you don't, then you're doing something else. It's a different type of run and you've dismissed the purpose of the day. And yes, you can go that slow. You just have to be committed to it and you have to learn it just like you have to learn to run faster. So that's number one on the house of recovery running. Number two is that I like to mix up my recovery runs and find, sometimes find, some varied terrain. So for me, this could look like a couple of different things. Sometimes I like to hit the trail on my recovery days, not necessarily a really technical trail because that can be tough when the legs are tired. But if you hit the trail and you get a little bit of varied terrain on the recovery run, then it does a couple of things. One, it helps you keep the effort in the right place because I don't often run trails. There's no temptation for me to go faster on trails. And so it gives me that encouragement to slow down because you have to think a little bit more and and be a little bit more dynamic on your feet. But it also serves the purpose of working your muscles in a little bit more of a varied way so that you're getting 
all of the muscles activated because you're on that very terrain. And then in addition, it's a softer surface. So that just helps reduce some of that impact on your legs, which obviously helps them recover and bounce back a little bit more easily. If I'm not on a trail, then I don't also mind actually finding a route that's a little bit tilly or has some ups and downs. Not, I'm not talking about big hills, but I kind of like a recovery run that's on a varied road terrain as well, where you might get some rollers in there, have some ups and downs. Because again, what that does, what those hills do and the downhills can do, again, without overdoing it, but it can give you that varied terrain, which helps you work other muscles. Make sure you get those glutes reactivated. Make sure that you're working all parts of the leg so that you can not only get blood flow to all parts, but also make sure that all parts are activated. Now, the important thing to note here is, again, don't overdo it. Don't do anything too crazy or or go to a massive hill. But but occasionally, I, I like to remind people is that if you do end up on terrain that feels too hard, you have 100% power and control over your pace. So remember that and just slow down if you need to on that very terrain. In some cases, as was a case for me on a recovery run last Wednesday, I found myself on a hill that was a little bigger than I expected as I was navigating my route. And I just decided to walk for about 100 meters up the hill in order to maintain the right recovery effort. And that was okay. Walking is also movement, also creates blood flow. And if you mix that occasionally into a run, that is absolutely okay. Let the ego go away and you know, tell the devil on your shoulder to, to be quiet in those moments so that you can make sure you're maintaining the purpose of the day. And so if you're on that very terrain and something gets hard, then just walk. It's okay. Again, the primary purpose to remember on recovery day is that it's about movement so that you can create blood flow so you can promote healing. It's not about somehow going fast or trying to get fast on the day. In fact, it's the opposite. You're going slow so you can go faster when it matters. So that's another point on the how is find varied terrain. The other thing that I like to do is occasionally, and this isn't all the time, but occasionally wear a little bit of a lighter shoe on a recovery day. And this is to me a little bit of a form and life hack. There is a temptation sometimes on recovery runs to get sloppy with your form because you're tired and that is normal and okay at some level right because you are beat up you're tired and you're not necessarily into that perfect form and and you shouldn't on every recovery run be so worried about that but there is a a, a trend i see of people often choosing really cl- cushy really plush footwear on recovery days which can have a tendency to make you plod along and be inefficient with your form so that you can enforce or reinforce bad habits with your form. And you want to at least be cognizant mentally at times, but then I also find it's easier with footwear to create these mental cues. If you're wearing a little bit lighter shoe, not necessarily minimalist, but just lighter for you. If you're wearing a little bit of a lighter shoe on those recovery days, it makes you stay cognizant of your form and efficiency and your turnover so that you don't get really sloppy. Now, it means, of course, you're still going that easy effort, that that slower pace for you. 
but you're doing it in a way where your body stays upright, your form stays in check, your turnover is still good, even if it's a little bit with a little bit shorter stride. You want to make sure that you don't have really, really low turnover on those recovery days. And so if if I'm in a shoe that's a little bit lighter for me on recovery days, it helps me maintain those cues, maintain my posture, keep my knees coming up a little bit, heels going back, turnover in a place that's still smooth and efficient. And while certainly my turnover on an easy day is going to naturally be slower than when I'm running hard. I try not to make that difference be too great. And you can track that as Garmin on Garmin as well. While for me, I tend to see that my turnover on a quality workout will be somewhere around 185 to 190 steps per minute on recovery days. It might end up being 170, 175, somewhere in that range in in which case, you know, again, it's a little bit slower, but it's not so slow that I start to overstride and become really inefficient with my form. And so, again, that's not something you want to you want to have to think about too hard. But for me, the cue that allows me to do that is the footwear, just a little bit of a lighter shoe. And I'm doing this. This is something that I'll do once every couple of weeks. And it'll be something that I do after an effort that's not too bad. So obviously on on a day like Monday when I was really beat up from a race, that's not a day that I'm doing this. It's coming on a day where I know I need that recovery run, but I feel pretty good. Maybe my workout wasn't as hard the day before so that it still makes sense to do it without really overtaxing the system. So a little bit of a lighter shoe, a little bit more of a focus on form and turnover so that I'm not getting sloppy on those recovery days. So, so that's the, the third point here. So first point, make sure you're going slow enough. Typically that's associated with starting a little bit slower and then progressing as you go naturally. Two, give yourself some varied terrain, whether that be trail and soft surface or maybe a little bit of undulation on your route so that you're mixing up how your muscles are activated. And number three, give yourself the opportunity to make sure you stay solid with the form and efficiency by occasionally giving yourself a different footwear stimulus. And this can this can also just come in the form of making sure that you're varying footwear and you're not always wearing the exact same shoe for every single recovery run. Instead, mix it up, make sure you're getting a, a, a few different shoes that you use so that you're getting a variety of stimulus on those recovery days so you're not falling into a rut. Because what happens when you fall into a rut is that you then start to develop blind spots and weaknesses within your form that might get you stuck in a rut, so to speak, that can, can come back to manifest in weakness and perhaps muscle deactivation and an injury later. So that's my third how for the recovery run. And again, as we wrap this section, I just want to remind you how you know whether you're executing this in the right way. And one way, of course, is by the pace ranges that I mentioned, that you're going at least two minutes slower than that marathon pace or two and a half minutes slower than half marathon pace. Also, that you feel better when you finish the recovery run so that you know it worked. 
you feel better when you're done and than when you started. So, you know, check. You fulfilled that purpose on the day. And then eventually, over time, if you're doing this the right way, you'll start to notice that you're a little bit sharper on those quality days and those long run days. So that again, you're getting a better stress rest overall balance. And if you do this, if you commit to really executing these recovery days in the right way, then I promise you it will only lift you higher, not only in quality, not only in long runs over time, but ultimately on race day. And that's ultimately all, all, all of what we want. And so I would encourage you, if you've never focused on your recovery run execution, give it a season of doing that because we like to focus on the hard stuff. We like to measure ourselves based on how we're doing on quality workouts or how those long runs feel, but we're not often measuring ourselves on how well we're executing the recovery run. And as I said at the beginning, recovery runs are where we grow. That's where the true fitness is built and you have to execute it the right way in order to see the benefits of that. So slow down on those recovery runs, commit to feeling better through them. If you do that, I promise the results will speak for themselves down the road. So there you go. That's a 49 minute soapbox on recovery runs. I hope you listen because I promise you for me and my own training and for my athletes, it works. All right. So we will wrap this episode here. Thanks to all of you for listening. You can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rogue Chris. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.